Dana. Thank you, choir. Good morning, church. Turn with me to John chapter 19. Today we're making our way to the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the last week in the life of Christ. And Jesus in this week would be betrayed, falsely accused, a series of illegal trials, and on Friday afternoon would be crucified. The cross is the chosen symbol of Christianity. It was invented as a, as a, as a means of, 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 of killing people. It was invented by the Persians and perfected by the Romans. It was the most horrific way they could figure out how to kill people. When they put people on the cross, particularly coming into places of prominence, and Jerusalem was one of those, they would put crosses up as people came into the city, and they would let people hang on those crosses for days. It was a message to people, don't break the law here. If you break Roman law, we will kill you, and it will be excruciating. The Jews didn't have the authority to use the cross. It was only the Romans, and that's why the religious leaders so upset with Jesus' teachings about that God was available to everyone, not only the Jews, that God came to save the world, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. They couldn't use the cross, and that's why they hated the Romans, but they decided to reach out to the Romans because they could not crucify Jesus. In fact, they did not have the authority to kill anybody, even their own people. And so they falsely accused Jesus of claiming to be uh, a king. And so the Romans reluctantly, Pilate, we're told, reluctantly uh, gave them the authority to kill Jesus. He gave them an out and said, you can either have Barabbas, it was a custom to give uh, set someone free at the Passover. And uh, you can have Barabbas or you can have Jesus, and the people chose Barabbas. The Jews were so, uh, uh, it was more than mad. They were uh, so disturbed by the teachings of Jesus that they thought by killing him they could get rid of him. What they didn't understand was that their very killing him would set him free, would set him free to not only die, but he would come forth alive on the third day. So the cross then became a symbol of freedom and not a symbol of death. Some of us, like myself, I wear a cross around my neck. We have crosses in churches, but they're empty crosses. Jesus didn't stay on the cross. He, didn't, he, he, he came down from the cross, and he is alive forevermore, and that's what we're going to celebrate next week. But from the cross, Jesus uttered seven words. And we're going to look at three of those this morning. In John chapter 19, as he hung on the cross, it's an interesting word. As he hung on the cross, we're told in verse uh, 30, when Jesus had received the Sirewine, he said, it is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. It's a fascinating word. It is finished. When the people heard it, they would have certainly said, I agree with that. The religious leaders would have said, oh good, he's finally done, he's finished. The Roman soldiers who have, had nailed probably dozens of people to a cross, they, when Jesus bowed his head, they uh, stuck a spear in his side to, to, to show that he was really dead. 
And uh, uh, they would have agreed that he was finished. The disciples that had been following him for three years, they were standing at a distance some far, some, some, some ways away, watching what had happened when Jesus cried out, it is finished. They would have agreed with that. But that's not what Jesus meant. It's an interesting Greek word. It's one word. It's, it's the word tetelestai. When Jesus cried that from the cross, he did not say, I'm finished. He said, it is finished. And what was finished was the plan of redemption from the beginning of time. That what God had set in motion from the time before eternity was started, before He spoke creation into existence, there was a cross in the heart of God. This was not by chance. God is a sacrificial God. God is a loving God. God is a forgiving God. And He, at the, before He ever set uh, the, the planets in their place and created the earth and put uh, humanity on the earth, God had a plan. And that plan was completed in Jesus Christ. It is finished. The plan of redemption. It's a fascinating word. Tetelestai. It means to be finished or completed or to be accomplished. It's a word that was used by merchants. When a merchant, when you'd buy something from a merchant, you'd go in and uh, you'd pay your bill and the merchant would stamp on there to telestai. It, it was a word used by servants. When the master sent them to do a task, the servants would come back and say to the master, to telestai, I have finished the task. Jesus Christ finished the task of what God had sent him to do. He had paid in full the price of salvation. He had taken the sin of the world upon himself and died for sin. Not only the sin of the current people that were there, but it was the people who had died and the people that were yet to be born. It was all of eternity. It is finished. It was a word used by a priest when some when the Jewish people brought in a sacrifice to be offered in the temple. The priest had to look at it and make sure it wasn't filled with blemishes. And when the priest finally had looked at it and had approved it, he would say, to Tetelestai, it is perfect. Jesus is the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. The perfect sacrifice for sin so that you and I might no longer be separated from God the Father. When you think of the cross, you think of Jesus reaching out to God with one hand and humanity to another. When you think of the cross, when we reach our hands out, we are the cross. There's this vertical dimension of, of us being connected to God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and the horizontal dimension of us being connected to each other to be reconcilers, to people that share the love and the mercy and the grace of Christ with others. It was a term used by artists that when an artist finished a painting, or work of art, they would stand back and say, to Tetelestai. Jesus, from the cross, said, basically, what I have done in my life, from my supernatural birth, to my sinless life, to my sacrificial death on the cross, to what was going to come, that when they went to the empty tomb that Sunday morning, his body was gone because he is alive. And Jesus is saying, I have finished painting the full portrait of God. Listen, you don't need to know anything more about God than what's revealed in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, those who have seen me have seen the Father. And here's the deal. Here's what we believe. Here's what I believe. 
that in order to know God, you've got to know Jesus. That you're not going to get to heaven in any other name. There's no other name given by heaven by which men must be saved than the name of Jesus. Jesus said it is finished. It has been completed to telestop. But as he hung there on the cross, he cried some other words. Turn with me to Luke chapter 23. And in Luke chapter 23, there's two other words that we're going to look at this morning. As they were nailing him to a cross in verse 32. It's not by chance. Nothing that happened in the last week of Jesus was by chance. There was nothing wasted. No time. No episode in the last week in the life of Jesus just happened. And when he was crucified, on that, on that hill called the skull, other places called it Golgotha, when he was crucified there, there was one on his right and there was one on his left. He was surrounded by people, the religious leaders, the Roman soldiers, his disciples except a few. John was probably at the foot of the cross and some women, but the rest of them had just fled and deserted him. And as he was being nailed, listen to what it says. Verse 32 of Luke 23. Two other criminals were also led away to be executed with him. When they arrived at the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, because they know not what they're doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. The people stood watching, and even the leaders kept scoffing. He saved others. Let him save himself. If this is God's Messiah, the chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him. And they came offering him sour wine and and said, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. An inscription was above him. This is the king of the Jews, mocking him. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell, yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him. Don't you even fear God since you are un- we are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. And Jesus, then he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Father, forgive them. Here are these coarse Roman soldiers had done this dozens of times. They had seen people scream and holler and curse them and writhing in pain. Not these soldiers, but probably some other soldiers, because there were certain cohorts of, of soldiers that did certain tasks. And there was other soldiers that previously, a few hours early, had scourged him. They took a whip of, with, with uh, pieces of leather about 18 inches long with pieces of metal and, and, and flint on the end of it. And they had scourged his back. Some people didn't live even through the scourging. If you can imagine Jesus being beat almost to death, and then they walk him through the streets of Jerusalem, parading him through the streets. Someone carrying his cross for him because he's too weak to carry the cross. 
And then they get him to the place called the Skull, the place of Golgotha. And there's another group of soldiers there that have perfected this whole issue of crucifixion. They were nailing Jesus to this cross member. And once they nailed him there, they lifted it up in the air and set it on a cross member that was already there. And they put these spikes just below his hand. It was still considered the hand in the wrist. They put spikes probably about eight inches long. And as they're nailing the spikes through the hands of Jesus, Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I'm telling you, when somebody gives me a shot like I got the other day for the COVID, I didn't say, Father, forgive her. You know, you know, <laughs> if somebody hurts you, you're not praying, Father, forgive them. Some of you have gone through a divorce. Some of you have had kids that have gone through divorce. Some of you have had friends and loved ones who betrayed you and said all kinds of vile things about you. You've had an employer that lets you go for uh, uh, unreasonable reasons. You've had you, There's a whole long list of stuff. And generally when bad stuff happens to us, we don't pray, Father, forgive them. But Jesus did. Who was he praying for? No doubt for the soldiers that were crucifying him. But they probably were the most innocent ones in the whole story. They had been told, commissioned, ordered by the Roman governor to do it. And if they didn't do it, they themselves would have been killed. Father, forgive them. But you know, the circle had to be bigger. He was thinking about those religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, the chief priests that were there, agging it on. Father, forgive them. But the circle was even bigger. His disciples who had deserted him, he, he was including them in the circle. Father, forgive them. But I believe the circle was bigger than that. I think he looked down the tunnel of time and saw you. The manicure guy. Manicured, mulched, and what else? Mowed, prayed over. Can you see Dean Warren doing I can see that, can't you all? I mean, if there's a hair out of place, he's upset on Sundays, right? I love you, brother. I, it's good to pick on you. It's good. She already started it. Somebody started. Who started that? Who, who did that? Dana, did you, Dana, did you do that? Oh, it was the leg. Who was that? Somebody did it. Said, somebody did it. But anyway, you know, we, we love you, brother. Do you, you love him, Catherine. I, I know you, 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 you love him. Um, how would I get off on that? Um. <laughs> I'm totally off track now. Um, anyway, uh, he looked down the tunnel of time, and he saw you. He was praying for all of humanity. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them, because they know not what they do. It's a beautiful picture of what the cross is all about. The cross is about forgiveness. To me, it's ama- It's amazing. That, there's even, that there is forgiveness. Jesus was encompassing a wider body. There were the band of disciples, but, but, but they did nothing to stop what was happening. I believe He was thinking about you and me and all the people who would be born and all the people who had been born. What does this tell us? All of these groups had either actively or passively helped crucify Jesus. They were all guilty. 
But in a very real sense, they were, the only represent, they were only representatives of a wider number of those responsible for crucifying Jesus. Who crucified Jesus? I'm going to tell you who did it. You did it. I did it. My sin and the sin of humanity nailed Jesus Christ to a cross. I did it. You did it. Were, were, that, that great old hymn, were you there when they crucified my Lord? And the answer is yes, I was there. They crucified him. And it, it would better be truer to say we crucified him. Because every one of us, every one of us is guilty. They don't know what they do. What a perceptive word this is. Mankind has been so blinded by evil, so corrupted by sin, that it reacted violently to the purity and holiness of God that was shown in the Lord Jesus Christ. These pitiful representatives of mankind were swept away by the power of Satan in seeking to destroy the Lord of glory. They know not what they do, but they did it anyway. I'm telling you, in this country, we're on a downward spiral morally. When USA Today will sanction an editorial by a woman that says the NCAA should not have allowed Oral Roberts University into the tournament because of their stance on sexuality, on marriage, and morality, we are in real trouble. Dr. Moeller at Southern Seminary wrote a, uh, a response to the uh, editorial in the USA Today and says, here's what's happening. They're coming for the church. They're coming for us. I've been saying for years that it's gonna, there's going to be a time, and we're in the middle of it right now, when being a Christian is going to matter. I don't agree with all the theology of Oral Roberts, but I certainly believe in their view of marriage and sexuality and morality. And I'm telling you, there's a time, and we're in the middle of it, where you've got to decide which side of the cross you're going to live on. Are you going to live on the dead side, where it's just rules and regulations and, and condemning people? Are you going to live on the live side of Jesus, that Jesus is alive, that He wants to transform us? I'm telling you, when a country, when they'll sanction killing babies and let you marry whatever you want to marry and say it's okay, when morality is everything you want to do, whatever's right for you is right for you, when there's no plumb line, when there's no right or wrong, we're in real trouble. It's time for the church. It's past time. It's high time. For those of us that claim the name of Jesus Christ, to stand up in a compassionate, caring, loving way to say that thus saith the Lord. Our problem is we have so watered down the gospel. We have believed the lie that if we watered down the gospel to attract sinners, that the church would grow. And it's just a lie. The church won't grow. Numbers may grow. But you've got to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've got to preach a bloody cross and an empty tomb. Jesus came to forgive us. But the forgiveness has to be received. You see, it wasn't by chance. There was a, two thieves. One on the right and one on the left. And as he was dying on the cross, it gives us a picture of humanity. The cross is the dividing line between those that are going to call out to God for redemption through His Son, Jesus Christ, and those that are going to curse Him. There was a picture of what was going to happen in the world, and it's happening right now. One of them said, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. 
But the other answered and rebuked him. Don't you even fear God? We're being punished for what we've done. But this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, I want to tell you that today you will be with me in paradise. What we've done, preachers, let's just say preachers. And I'm I'm not even going to take it past there. We've made salvation too complicated. Here this man, Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Now listen, that's either the truth or it's a lie. And if it's the truth, then salvation simply means calling upon the name of the Lord. The Bible's clear. Those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This man, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He'd already confessed that Jesus had done nothing wrong. And he cried out to him. We've made it. You've got all these hoops you've got to jump through. The man couldn't come down and, and join a Baptist church. He couldn't jump down and get baptized. He couldn't come down and get better. Now, and all of that is important. But he didn't have the time. Jesus tells us what salvation is. Salvation is call up upon the name of the Lord. And I believe this man's in heaven. Either that or Jesus was a liar. Today you'll be with me in paradise. I remember years ago when I was first started pastoring. It was 1980, probably 1980. I was pastoring, Charlene and I were in a little church in Ohio, a little place called Felicity, Ohio. And a lady in the church, uh, Janice Larison, her grandmother was dying of cancer. And... Uh, um, Nobody, in the, nobody gone to see her, to talk to her about it. I said, is she saved? And she said, we just really don't know. She was 89. Would you go see her? And I want to tell you, I've had, uh, I find over the years that visiting people in the hospital where they're getting ready to have surgery or they've come out of surgery or they've gotten some bad news or whatever, you have their full attention about God. And so I went in, she was in intensive care, had a, she wasn't on a ventilator, but she had oxygen on, and they, she only had, a, they said, only had a few days to live. And I went into her, and I just simply said, man, I'm, I'm, I'm Janice Larison's pastor, and she's asked me to come and ask you a question. Do you know the Lord? And she said, I want to. And I said, well, let me ask you some questions. I said, do you believe Jesus died on the cross? Yes. Do you believe He rose again? Yes. Do you believe you're a sinner? Yes. Would you like to trust Him as your Lord and Savior? I sure would. Tell me how to do that. So I led her through a sinner's prayer. And right there in that hospital, this 80-year-old woman prayed to receive Christ. And two days later, she died. I was able to say at that funeral, this loved one of yours is in heaven because of what Jesus said. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Now, I'm telling you, but the deal is, she was at the end of life. Do you know when the end of your life's going to be? No. For most of us, it's going to be a lot sooner than we can imagine. So don't wait. You see, some of you listening online, watching online, you, you've been waiting. You, you think, I've got to get all this stuff worked out. I've got to quit this or start this or I've got to learn the Bible or I've got to do this or I've got to do that. You know. All that stuff's important, but I'm telling you what, God is the one who will change your heart. Don't wait. Don't put this off. This salvation piece is why Jesus came. He came for that man. 
He came so that we could call upon the name of the Lord. And as Jesus hung on a cross and His man hung on a cross, He said, Lord, save me. And you know what? He did. He did save him. So when have you done that? How long has it been? I remember it well in my life. How about you? If it hasn't happened, as, as Ed said earlier, you can text that number, the 270 number. If you're here in this place, you can talk to some of us. Salvation is a big, big, big deal. This man called upon the name of the Lord. Lord, uh, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, I want to tell you that today. Let me tell you the good news of heaven. There's no yesterday there. There's no tomorrow. When you get there, there's only the eternal now. You don't age there. Isn't that good news? Hello? Come on, help, help me here. Isn't that good news? You don't age. My mother's 92. I got to see her this week. First time I got to hug her since August. They, took, they get, did a COVID test at the neighborhood there in Somerset, and I was negative. I got to go in and talk to my mother. She didn't know me. She didn't hardly acknowledge my presence, but I know her. I was sitting there praying, Lord, would you take my mother? Would you be so gracious to take my mother home? Because I was thinking about in heaven, there's no more Alzheimer's. There's no more dementia. There's no more degrading of the body. My mother will know who she is. And she will know who she's with. In heaven, listen, there's only today. There's the eternal now. Today, Jesus said. And it's true with all of us. Today, you will be with me in paradise. One of these days, you're going to pass from, 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 from time into eternity. And when you do, it will, the loved ones that you've seen, it will be as though you've never been apart. It's be a blessing that you just cannot imagine. So why would you wait and put that off? You want to have the assurance of salvation. That's what the cross is all about. But there's one warning here. There was another thief who cursed Jesus. And I'm telling you, the world right now is cursing Jesus. Ridiculing His church. Just saying that this book is just a bunch of myths, or it's old-fashioned, or it's narrow-minded. If, if you have convictions about morality, then you are considered a bigot, narrow-minded. If you say, thus saith the Lord, if you try to live your life according to the teachings of Jesus, if you believe in the sanctity of marriage, if you believe in the sanctity of life in the womb, if you believe that, that God created a male and female, that, that, that God intends marriage to be between a man and a woman. If you believe that, then you're going to be ridiculed. And there's going to come a time, quickly, that if I say that in this pulpit or in some other pulpit, there's going to be, there's going to be ramifications. And I'm saying, bring them on. Bring them on. I'm not going to water down the gospel. I'm not going to not preach this word. As long as I have breath and life, and it should be the same with you, to live it and believe it. It means we're to be compassionate, caring, 
and forgiving. But we are not to compromise the teachings of Jesus. To do that is to live on the wrong side of the cross. This guy died, and listen, he went to hell. Listen, there is a heaven, and there is a hell. And if that's not true, Jesus died for nothing. I had a guy in a church I was serving come to me and tell me that he didn't ever want to hear the word hell again from the pulpit. And I said, why? He said, I believe everybody's going to be saved. And I said, well, I don't believe that. He said, well, I don't believe any God would send anybody to hell. And I said, I don't believe that either. He said, oh, you don't believe that? I said, no, if you go to hell, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to step over a bloody cross and go by an empty tomb and deny millions and millions of people whose lives who have been transformed by the power of Christ. If you go to hell, it's because you've chosen to go, not God sending you. You have a choice. One called out and one didn't. Which will it be with you? Will you call upon the name of the Lord? You see, the cross is about forgiveness. It's about the finished work of God. You know, there's nothing you can add to it. There's nothing you need to do. Some people spell Christianity do something. Most of world religions is man trying to do something to reach out to God, to be good, to keep the law, to, to, uh, um, you know, to, to walk the straight and narrow. Uh, there's all kinds of do stuff. But Christianity is not spelled D-O. It's spelled D-O-N-E. It has been done for you. And that's the grace of And the good news of the gospel. What Jesus did on the cross. He did it. Because he took the sin of the world. Upon himself. Let's just pretend. Hold on. I'm going to use a prop. Now Dean you're going to be okay with me right. You're still going to talk to me. And have me over to your house. Your your manicured house. Isn't there a Bible or something here? Where are the... I thought I saw one. Charlie, hand me one of those hymnals there. Here we go. No, I don't want a Bible. I don't want to use it. Is there a hymnal right there? We took, we took them up for COVID. You took them up for COVID? Yeah. Well, I thought I saw one earlier. Well, anyway, let's just pretend that this is the sin of the world. Okay? Let's pretend. What happened on the cross, Jesus, and let's say this is Jesus. Here's what happened on the cross. God took the sin of the world and he laid it on Jesus. Look at this. So that one day I'm going to stand before God justified. Just as if I had never sinned. Isn't that good news? I'm telling you, that's shouting news. If that don't get you excited, bring the EMTs in. There's some dead people in here, you know. Bring them in. Bring the paddles in. There's some dead people in here. Listen, that's shouting ground, right? Just as if I had never sinned. That's what the good news of the cross is. And listen, we want you to live on that side of the cross. We want you to live on the alive side. And if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, we want you to do it today. If you have, we want you to rejoice, celebrate. Next Sunday, we're going to We're going to celebrate the good news of the resurrection. But to get to the resurrection, you've got to go by the cross. Jesus said, take up my cross. What does that mean? Take up my salvation. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about some burden. 
He's talking about the good news that he's come to unburden us from our sin and to set us free to live in Christ. Let's stand to our feet as we pray together. Lord, thank you for the song that you're with us in the fire. But Lord, you're with us every, every step of the way. That you've come to be with us, to live your life through us. God, thank you that we'll stand before God justified one day. Just as if we had never sinned. Because of Christ took, his, took, the, took the sin upon the world. Sin of the world upon himself and died for it on the cross. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Can you remember when that happened in your life? Just think back to that. Maybe it's been recent or a long time ago when you trusted the Lord as your Savior. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the joy of our salvation. But maybe you've never done that. You've been thinking about it. You wouldn't be online or even here today if you weren't thinking about it. You say, Brother Dan, how, how can I do that? You just got to admit you're a sinner that needs to be saved. Call upon the name of the Lord. How do I do that? If you'll pray this prayer in your heart, this be the desire of your heart. It isn't, it isn't prayer that saves you. It's what Christ has already done for you. But if you would just be willing to pray this as an expression of the desire of your heart. Lord Jesus, please come into my life and be my Savior and be my Lord. Please forgive me my sins and give me the gift of everlasting life. I commit my life to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. If you've prayed that prayer, that's the desire of your heart. You can text the number that is